Hey everyone, today on the podcast we have Elliot Wise and I'm really excited to share his journey with you. Welcome to the podcast, Elliot. Thank you for having me, Mark. Absolute pleasure. Um, you messaged me a couple of, was it a couple of weeks ago to come on? And, yeah. Uh, well, you are certainly someone that I've been, obviously known you for a few years now, respect you massively. I think we have a bit of a mutual respect of a bromance, don't we, I think. but um, Yeah, mutual respect for sure. Mutual respect and you asked me to come on and couldn't, couldn't be more excited to be here. Thank you so much. And I just a little kind of backstory of how we first met. I think just through both of us being within the fitness space, working on various different digital systems, things with people that our names just, I would hear about you through other people. And then I think we first sort of had proper contact when we worked with a reputable um, gym manufacturer. And then since then, I paid more attention to the kind of businesses and things that you've been doing and always been amazed at the level of success that you have, but not just that, the level of work, enthusiasm, dedication, everything you put into what you do, and then how you're always practicing what you preach across social media. So I'd love for you to share where you're at right now. So as of today, what is it that you've got going on, the businesses you run, and what position are you in right now? So it's, it's always it's one of those questions, what do you do, Elliot? Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. A lot of things. So this, my mom actually asked me the other day, she said, Elliot, when, when someone asked me what you do, what should I tell them? I was like, whatever you want. But no, in all seriousness, um, no, we, I obviously we bumped in together, I think, predominantly through, I think, Jordan Peters, who was I first mm. heard about, um, the big bodybuilder. But yeah, through through both of our love of fitness, I've I've got into the fitness industry from a business background. So I'm quite well known in the fitness industry as the business guy, because I'm not one of these people that came up through fitness and became a business person. I've come from a business background and got into fitness. Um, but what I'm doing at the moment is hopefully, hopefully creating a, a change within society that is going to allow the infrastructure for people to create something more of themselves. So whether that be in fitness or other, or other places, I have, created a mentorship which is probably what I'm most passionate about it's my 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 passion project really um where I'm helping others predominantly in the fitness industry but now scope scaling out to other areas to grow their own businesses and grow their, their own empires digitally and some non-digitally but more than anything get, give people the tools and the skill sets which they're not being taught in school in society sure to be able to go up and, and do what they they love and be fulfilled doing on top of that I also have a, an outsourcing company called WB virtual where we are outsourcing virtual assistants to solopreneurs, small business owners with online customer service based social media marketing, you know, all that, all that good stuff for, for growing companies, um, massively, massively under, under supplied skill sets, um, well, good skill sets within the West and property portfolio recently got more into development, uh, online e-commerce and an aesthetics business with my wife and a few other businesses that I'm invested in, but don't have quite such a big hand in. So a lot of, a lot of plates, <laughs> a lot mm. of plates. How do you, I mean, what we'll get onto eventually is how you manage your time like day to day in order to facilitate and run all those things. But if we go back to the beginning, so Elliot at school, coming out of school, like what, when you came out of school, what did you do? Did you go to uni or did you go straight into business? So I actually had my first business at school. Okay. What did you so do? I started, I started web design. Uh, if you want to go right back to the beginning, I I realized what I've always been quite good at is identifying trends and, and spotting what's mm. coming. 
I think that's a really, a really crucial thing to be able to get ahead of the market and see where things are, are going and anticipate that and create a skill set ready to fit, fit into the market. And I saw at the time of, I think I was about 11 or 12, that websites were starting to become a thing. I think I had Windows 95 at the time. The internet was yeah. coming about. You had Ask Jeeves and a few other social social uh, search search engines. And I was like, everyone's going to need these websites. Everyone's going to need these websites. But I started asking a few people, a few businesses. I don't want those. Didn't want that anyway. Cut long story short, I decided to learn through Microsoft. Do you remember Microsoft Front Page? I was going to say we're using Front Page. Yeah, <laughs> I do remember it very well. Enter Dreamweaver. Yeah. Um, so I created my first Warhammer website with a, a mate of mine at school, just to, oh, cool. a geek, geek. so I created yeah. a Warhammer website and wanted to learn how to do it, learn a bit of code, bought, I think, HTML for dummies or something like that as well, just learning. And um, but bought my own Warhammer website and then was like, well, okay, I'm going to make money out of this now. And I started asking friends and family, anyone that owned a small business, and I'm managing a friend of my, my dad's actually wanted a website. Cool. And I sold cool. it. I managed to recruit a guy at school. I said, look, you learn graphics. I'll do the coding. We'll combine forces. I paid him 50 quid, I think, for the website. And I, I charged 300 quid for the website. So I learned a bit of delegation straight away. Nice. And um, built a first, my, first, my first website. And from then on, I spoke to my dad. I said, how do I, how do I handle the accounts and all this kind of stuff? So he, mm. my dad had a small manufacturing business. So he put me in touch with his accountant and was like, obviously, oh, cool. at that point. But want, I wanted to learn the process. So I love business from day one. And that was yeah, yeah. then led on to me using that skill. I had a lighting company, which I started, um, an online e-commerce company at the mm. end of secondary school slash start of college, which in during this time, I thought I was going to be a stockbroker. I was gearing okay. up to go work in the city. I thought that's where the money was. I thought that's where I wanted to do. Um, so I was picking math, economics, accountancy, all that kind of stuff, computing at, at college at the same time as building up my web design company and my online lighting retailer, which I was business partner with someone else um, and was using my web design skills to create an e-commerce business. Mm. I actually did go to university. I went and did economics okay. at Southampton. So I'm not one of these people that bash education, haven't actually been to school and done all of it. I've actually done it all as well. So I feel like I can come from a place of <laughs> an all-rounded an all-rounded uh, background so I can actually say whether or not I agree in education because a lot of people drop out of school and then bash education. I went through yeah. school and still education. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, cut long, cut, long, cut long story short. So I realized that at the end of university, I'd done a bit of work experience and been in London quite a lot, been offered a job as a fund manager upon leaving uh, college actually, but I decided to go to university, got offered another job okay. as well, stopped working and decided that didn't like the industry, didn't like the fact that I wasn't really creating anything and my lighting business and my web design company going pretty well. So I mm. spoke to my mom and said, look, I know you can't afford to give me a money for a house, this, that, and the other. I said, can you let me live at yours rent free for a year? When I come back out of university, I will save up enough for a mortgage and I'll move out. And she said, absolutely, that's fine. So I gave myself one year to get mm. my business really going well. I was going well. I mean, I was driving around, I had 911 Turbo Sport at the time. Porsche. Yeah. <laughs> so I was doing well, doing well. I was doing well, but not really well. It was, it was comfortable. Sure. But I thought well, I'd get all of these distractions out of the way. I university girls and all that other stuff. I can just yeah. focus fully on my businesses. I'll see how, how it goes. Within six months, I'd bought my first four bed detached house in the Southeast of England Amazing. and out for my mum. And that was the rest from kind of rest is history, really. And did you do that mainly with your e-commerce or 
like a combination with the websites and e-commerce? So, yeah, the majority of the income at that point was coming from e-commerce. I swear I put my time okay. and effort because it was scaling so fast. Um, and yeah. I, I personally just love e-commerce. I think it's a brilliant business model if you can get the right product and you can understand it. Plus, I was back in the day when Google AdWords were very cheap too. Sure. So when I started, I could buy traffic infinitely cheaper than you can now. And yeah. the market was saturated and my competition was frankly poor. So <laughs> um, it, it was easier to compete at that point. So for me, it was a, it was a natural thing to scale and I enjoyed it. So I was mm. kind of actively making things that I enjoyed to do. So then what was the transition from that into working in fitness? Were you just, you just had a passion for fitness and being in the gym. And then did you have a light bulb moment where you were, when you thought, oh, okay, I, could, I can combine what I know here in business now with fitness? It's a good question. So I've always been in, from, from teenager, I've been into the gym. I've always very sporty, played rugby at a decent okay. level. I've been, did a lot of sports from a young age, love, 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 love sports. Um, and I was an overweight kid, that backstory, very insecure. I'm a very competitive person, quite a deep thinker, mm. very introverted, actually. People wouldn't know this about me. Think a lot. And um, it led to a probably quite unhealthy obsession with, you say, health and fitness, but going mm. to the gym and trying to adjust and control my life in, in from, a, from a fitness perspective. And sure. that just consumed me from a hobby I'm, I'm a very extreme person, so very all or nothing. So I took everything that I did, whether it be work and fitness, to an absolute extreme level, still do. Um, mm. I find it very hard to balance. And love the fitness industry. And through networking, got a pretty good base of people that I knew within the fitness industry throughout my my, my journey through it. I love okay. networking, love people. I'm quite good at socializing. It's one of my, I'd say, one of my, my better skill sets. So I'm quite good at getting into places and, and getting into networks and because mm. of that see, I, I was still working on the businesses but was getting quite into the fitness world and seeing how the the, the economics of it worked sure and that's where i started seeing opportunity between okay, okay there's the market here to help fitness people and everything else but i predominantly really got involved with the fitness industry through the mentorship just pre-brexit actually i'm uh, sorry not pre-brexit mm. pre, pre-lockdown um because of Obviously, all the, the gym shifting and everyone shutting down. I was like, well, yeah, I yeah. really my skill set here to help people navigate through this difficult period. And that's really where that took off. And so did you, between university, having the lighting, the e-commerce and the websites, and then having your obsession with the gym and health and nutrition, were you just solely doing those right up to pre-lockdown? And then pre-lockdown, you that's when you started to focus on consultancy? No, so I had... Start up an import company as well. So that that e-commerce okay. business that I talked to you about, I actually ended up getting scammed by my business partner who's quite a bit older than me. Um, oh, wow. Bad. Yeah, I nearly lost everything in 2015. Uh, I, to the point where I was crying in the garden thinking I was going to lose my house. Like it was it was a bad, it was a bad experience. Um, in hindsight, great experience. At the time, felt like a bad experience. Very good learning curve. I also went out to China during that period for six months. In this, this in that gap um on my own to start visiting factories to bring in and start producing my own lighting for my lighting retailer in the uk it was going so well okay. i didn't want to pay the wholesalers in the uk anymore i thought i'm gonna go straight to source sure. popped on a plane <laughs> had to sit in an apartment for a month because no one in shenzhen which is southeast of, of china spoke any english from where i was at and just basically learned man as much mandarin as i possibly could so i could get out and about because i was right. 
riddled with anxiety, was scared to leave the apartment because everyone there was just very aggressive towards me. Well, that's what it felt like. And I didn't, couldn't get around, couldn't speak to anyone at the factory, thought people could be able yeah. to speak, China, speak English in China. I was a bit naive to that, but I thought I'm here now, going to make it work. I remember I downloaded a few Mandarin speaking softwares and I was in a big apartment block. And what I'd do is spend three or four hours in my apartment learning Mandarin. And I'd, right on the bottom floor, these there's huge complexes and, and, and they have like a big wall downstairs. I'd jump in the lift, go downstairs to the uh, supermarket downstairs and test out my Mandarin to the sales staff. Yeah. <laughs> to basically see if they could understand me. So I'd go around ordering things and, 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 and then I'd jump in a cab yeah. and see if I could direct them around and to the point at which I, was like, I think I've got this basic Mandarin down and then went out to yeah. the factory and started negotiating. I did actually get a translator for the the more important deals when I was discussing money. Um, sure. But yeah, that was a good experience. And in that period, I did that. I started buying uh, rental properties in Stoke-on-Trent because my wife was studying, well, my wife now started seeing Hannah, who was studying medicine at Stoke. Okay. And I moved up there for her to, to stay with her while she was doing her medicine, medical degree. Um, and I started buying rentals while I was there when we moved into one because I couldn't live with right. students anymore. And <laughs> yeah, so there was a lot of things going on in that period, but it wasn't just mm. that straight. The, 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 I, was, I was accruing a lot of different business skills and, and, and sure. learned a lot of, doing, hitting a lot of hurdles <laughs> along the way as well. Did you like do all that off of your own back though? You just decided like, hey, I'm going to go to China. I'm going to figure it out when I get there. Or did you ever have someone that you looked up to that kind of said, Elliot, look, maybe do it this way or maybe perhaps consider this option instead or was it just entirely almost like i'm not gonna say stubborn but you, you were just like hell-bent on i'm gonna do this i'm the kind of person that would jump out of an airplane and figure out the parachute on the way down right so i'm very much an action taker but i fully back myself i have a tremendous i don't know where it, i do know where it comes from we can talk about a bit about this but i have a mm. tremendous amount of internal confidence because i've never let myself down no, I failed. Okay. I failed a lot. I failed a lot, but I've never let myself down, ever. Mm. So, ninety-nine times out of a hundred, I have my own back. I will pull through whatever it is that I want to do, and when I make a commitment to myself, I will do absolutely everything within my inner being to make it happen, because I promise myself I'll make that happen. So, yes, I might fail, and if I've bitten off a, a project or, or a goal that's too big then fair enough. But mm. for me, that's a sign that I've really pushed my limits. And, and I want to go a bit deep here, but I don't want to get to my 85 year old self and sit there having regrets and not know, and knowing that I didn't ever push and try things. I think I'm the sort of person that wants to, to try these things out. I know that I have the capability to figure them out. And I've mm. got my back up a million percent. So yeah, fuck it. I'm off to China. No, that's good. Good for you. It actually, I just watched the Lamborghini um, documentary about um, Mr. Lamborghini creating Lamborghini. Um, and one of the things that he says in it is to go all in, like give everything that you've got to the thing that you're focused on, because then, it, and I think he says something along the lines of like fail spectacularly. And I take from that, that at least then, you know, you gave it everything. Like what, if you only gave it 90% and something didn't work out, you kind of only got yourself to blame and you'll always be wondering, well, what if, what if I just gave everything to do that? Maybe it actually would have worked, but you cut yourself short by not giving that dedication to it. I think there's an element here of failing spectacularly. I think 
that resonates a lot. But what a lot of these big business people don't tell you that I've noticed is they're extremely bright and mm. diversify their risk. So although I went to China, I rented out my houses in the UK so that I was fully mm. funded for the whole period. So I had no financial sure. stress when I was there. There was the worst case scenario was always quite limited for me. I was never going to be mm. completely thrown off. The one time where you know I let my business partner nearly bankrupt me, that was an experience I'll never let happen ever again because I was completely mm. exposed. But someone like Mr. Lamborghini, he would have made these big risks and big decisions, but he would have most likely covered and hedged a lot of that risk too. It wouldn't have left him completely mm. on the streets. So it's and it's also when you take these risks, and this is something I should really touch upon is I, I talk about periods in your life where you can be more pro-risk versus risk averseness. Because in my 20s to 30s, I didn't have any kids. I didn't have a wife. I had no real financial responsibility outside of my own mortgage and everything else. I knew worst yeah. case scenario, moving back in with my mum. Mm. Now was the time to dabble and experiment and take these massive risks because the, the upside is potentially life-changing. The downside is I'm back in with my mum, which I quite yeah. like anyway. She helps with my washing and cooks food for me. Sure. So, <laughs> so that was my worst case. That's my base. So if I know mm. that's my base and my, bet, my, my my potential upside is infinite, then I'm going all out. Mm. I'm very different now. I have two kids, a wife. I have trying to support my my grandparents and my my other, my parents. I have to be that person. So I use my twenties to thirties to build that foundation to be that rock. But to do yeah. that, I had risk because I didn't come from a family that could provide that for me and I was aware of that sure. I had to break the mold but I didn't want to have to do it when I had this responsibility I would still do it now if I wasn't in that yeah. position but it'd be a much harder decision because I know there's a lot more consequences and the worst case scenario is much more severe mm. you'd be more calculated in the risks that you'd be willing to take right yes and it would probably limit my upside so I always think about this as well with family friends and people that we know that are in a current situation and i always say to them like save up x amount of money and then move to dubai and you could start your business that you have because they're currently working in the uk for a company right and so they could easily they're almost at the head of this company and i've told them that they can come over to dubai they could easily set up a very similar company that they have the experience the knowledge everything that they possibly could have to build this company in dubai and if they saved enough to give them like three months here to give it a go or six months to give it a go and it didn't work out, the worst case possible scenario is that they're back where they started. He'd easily get that same job again. So why wouldn't you risk it? If the worst possible case is that you end up where you are today, why wouldn't you risk six months of time to just fucking try and make something better of your life? Well, this is the question, isn't it? And I think a lot of people talk a good game. And this is where mm. is the pain of where you're at greater than the pain of change and for the mm. most part people are out of shape and they're not financially successful even though they they want to be in shape and be financially successful because they're not actually that uncomfortable yeah, yeah. it looks nice to be successful but going through that pain to get there is probably not worth this discomfort i'm quite happy to endure right now and people mm. sell out and i think people that tell you they want to change but don't action really are quite comfortable where they're at and i've, I've come to that conclusion that a lot of people yeah. will moat, but they are actions speak a lot louder than words. And I, sure. that's one of my favorite sayings because it's it, it it's so true. <laughs> it's so true. And I it always is. say if, if if the best analogy you can give is if you want something as much as you want to breathe, there is nothing you mm. wouldn't do. 
Yeah. If you were drowning underwater, you'd give every ounce of your last being to try and take a breath. And if you wanted sure. to be successful to that level, which is almost impossible, but you understand the the, the, the point I'm making. Yeah, yeah. You, there's nothing you wouldn't do. Mm. So for me, the discomfort of where I was at was so great and still is. I am willing to do yeah. whatever it takes to make that happen. And people look at me like I'm a maniac and they look at you like you're a maniac because you bought these hours because I'm not comfortable where I'm at. I'm willing to go through mm. this pain. This this pain of change that I have to endure is so worth it because I'm not, not comfortable where I'm at now. And this is why I think that your failure that you had with your business partner that puts you on that point whereby you're almost at the state of losing everything, right? That when that has happened to you and you know that that's like the worst possible thing that could possibly happen, then you value the success that you do have even more. I'll tell you one thing about failure. And the lessons that having nearly lost everything taught me is the best thing ever. Because mm. I had imposter syndrome, and I didn't realize I had it until I lost the business and lost nearly all of my money. Because mm. in my head, I didn't realize subconsciously, I was always asking myself the question, did I do this by luck? Yeah. Was it because I got on the AdWords train early? Was it because I accidentally got into a good network or a good, good relationship? Is it really my skill set? I told other people it was. Yeah. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm great. I'm a great businessman. I built this business. I'm making good money. You know, I bought my own house. I'm young. I'm great. Deep down, you still have those questions. Was it a fluke? Sure. Did I do it again? Yeah. I wasn't willing to find that out on purpose, but I got forced into a position where I did get it taken away from me. Mm. And within 12 months, I was back three times more financially successful with different businesses in different areas, more diversification. And I knew then it was me, not the situation. And I was filled with confidence knowing that I could lose it all again tomorrow and I'll build it back again. Mm. And that was freeing, freeing thing because then I was even more able to take more risk because I wasn't so scared of losing that thing. Yeah, yeah. Because I'd already lost it once and built it back. It kind of and almost gives validation to everything you've been doing. And I think nearly all entrepreneurs at some point in their, their journey will have a big loss. And mm. then coming back from that loss will prove to them that it is them and they are able to do it. And at that point, it's almost like a, a rite of passage, I think, to a lot of people that, that then they can then say, well, it is me and I'm, I'm, I'm okay. I can take these risks and I'm, I'm fortified against anything that comes, no matter what economic shock yeah. or thing comes into my life. Providing I'm healthy and I can work, we'll be okay. Yeah. And it's by having those challenges and those like failures. I mean, you're not a failure unless you actually give up, right? If you keep going after something happens, then you're not a failure. But using using that as, for me, it was always, when I was in the position of almost losing everything, it was, I knew that I never ever want to feel that way again. I never ever want to be in that situation where I literally have nothing. We can't afford to eat. We like can't afford to buy food. Like, we can't afford to do anything. We stress on the relationship, stress with the family, everything. And I never, ever want to feel that way again. And so by going through that, it builds character, determination. It changes you as a person. And as long as you can use failure to your advantage and it helps you grow as an individual and helps you as you're continuing to scale and grow other businesses, then it's never really a failure. It's just an opportunity to, to learn a way not to do something and then to build yourself back up from it. Can I ask you a question? You talked about obviously getting to the point where you, you've been in a position where it was difficult. 
what was the main motivator to get out of that point? Was it to prove it to yourself or to prove it to your loved ones around you, be the support to them? Was it more of a personal driven thing? Or was it more for other people? It, it was a selfish endeavor. So in the, in the beginning, it was a selfish endeavor because, because I had told my wife and my family that I can do this. So I'd put that out there. That I'm going to do this. I'm going to become successful. I'm going to create a business. I'm going to be able to do X, Y, Z. And then it failed. I was like, fuck, I owe it now to myself to prove to everyone that I can do it. Now, when I got to the point of what I would consider to be comfortable, um, at that point, everything that I do shifted completely. It's no longer a selfish endeavor. It's everything I do now is to be able to, the fulfillment and joy I get out of life is by what I'm able to do for my family and what I'm able to do for my wife. And like in, I'm certain I'll be able to pay off my mom's mortgage very soon. I'm like, we fly like Vicky's family over here to have the most wonderful vacations and stuff. And for me, being able to do that is what gives me fulfillment and joy in everything that I do now. That's amazing. I think it's really important to put your own gas mask on first before you start putting other people's on. And I say this all the time. If, if you're Yeah, fine. that's a really, that's really, that really resonates with me. It's really important. And it's not, that's not being selfish. And actually, I think it's the most selfish thing you can do because mm. you can't fully support people around you unless you have already propped yourself up and you're feeling good internally and financially you know, yeah. there's part of that and then you can be a very good support person within your family when at mm. that point and, and not just for your family for anyone that you come in contact with and the impact that you can then make in the world yeah and, and something that warren buffett once said actually made a lot of sense and he, he got a lot of got a lot of stick throughout his when he was in his 60s for not having given any charity away. He was one of the richest men in the world. Warren Buffett was one of the mm. best investors of all time. He's accrued billions through Berkshire Hathaway, his, his, his main company. And he yeah. got a lot of stick through his 60s because he hadn't given any charitable donations away. But he turned around and said, well, look, I'm probably going to live another 20 years. And if I give you a pound now, you will spend it on what you need to spend it on. But if I keep mm. that pound and reinvest it, based on my track record, it's going to be worth so much more and then when i give yeah. it away in 20 years time the impact i'll have will be ex will be profound compared to what it'll be right now and will be so yeah. much more and it's the same way i look at myself and through, especially through my 20s and now early 30s was getting to a point where i could be so much more giving because i had a lot more skill and finances myself and wealth myself that yeah. i could then give more because i wasn't constricted earlier on by giving it all away yeah that's extremely powerful and do you, so where do you find fulfillment in your day-to-day? -day? It's the same from you, I think. I was extremely competitive, still am. Mm. A lot of it was, I think, proving other people wrong, proving myself wrong. Well, because you have a lot of questions. Or prove myself right, I think, that I was knew that yeah, I was yeah. going to or something. And I was be fucked if anyone told me I wasn't going to be that. And I think that through, especially through my teens and early 20s, was a big driver was just this anger against others and just needing to beat everyone, <laughs> which yeah. in itself, came to a big detriment because it stopped me from ever asking for help Sure. because I was going to do it on my own. Mm. Ironically, now I run a mentorship because I suddenly realized the benefit of having someone that knows what they're doing, <laughs> doing that, the, giving you the, the, the cheat codes to the success. Yeah. Learn that way too late. And that's, that's to my own detriment. But the initial driver, like as, as it was for you, was a very selfish, competitive, yeah. stubborn, I'm not going to lose thought process which yeah. then shifted into 
I now want to see how much I can impact I can have. Yeah. And I, I am, and as cheesy as, and, and, and I, when people used to say this, I didn't believe it. And people say like, oh, I want to give a lot of back to the world and make a lot of impact. Mm. When you are comfortable, very comfortable financially to the point at which you know that if you stop working, you'd still be okay. Which yeah. I've now got where I could retire and still live a very comfortable life and nothing would really have to change. Mm. The monetary side of things, yes, although still motivating, is now pales in comparison to the desire to want to impact and help a lot of people and as many people yeah, as I can. Agreed. I still want to earn a lot of money doing it. I'm not. I'm not like mm. a, a charitable. I'm like a philanthropic th freak. Where I'm just going to give everything away. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. yeah. I start solving bigger problems. Mm. And get. I want to earn a lot of money helping a lot of people. Mm. And I can sleep really well at night doing that because then I know with that money and the wealth I create, I can still do a lot of good with that too. Yeah, it's interesting actually. I saw um, an article about Maslow's hierarchy of needs. So yeah. having like your your basic needs at the bottom, um, shelter food, all those sorts of things. And then at the top of the pyramid, there was a, a new level that they believe should be added to the top of the pyramid. And that's once you've got everything, like all your ducks in a row for yourself, the thing that then gives you fulfillment in life is by helping other people and like giving back to the world. Absolutely. And like I said, that's where this whole gas mask thing comes. You've got to put your eyes mm -hmm. on first. And I think that's having that, that base foundation that you know you're secure and you're a rock. And then yeah. you can be a very good stepping stone for other people, which is super important. Yeah. And so with your, that leads nicely on to mentorship. So what, at what point did you decide like all these skills and everything I have, like I can, this is transferable. I can like build out a framework. I can help other people. How did that all come about? Well, I had the marketing company and what I realized quite quickly was, is that doing a done for you service in marketing is great. But I was getting much better results when I had really eager clients that wanted to get involved with the marketing itself and learn themselves. So I ended up doing a lot of consultation, I suppose you could say, uh, where I was giving people advice on how to market their companies and content to produce, and then they were doing it in-house. Right. And the, the results were way better because they're on the ground. Mm. They understand the client base. They understand their product or service much better. And that's when I started to get a bit of a light bulb moment thinking, well, if I can find clients that want to learn to build themselves and I can teach them the skills, they can go and execute or at least hire people and put it in within their businesses and have it internally run. We can make much better results. And yeah. I started doing, so my marketing company turned into a marketing consultancy business, which then as we went into lockdown, I knew that I could start because of my fitness network. I knew I could start helping these coaches that were in this position where they had, or PTs that had no business coming in, which then blew up because I had a, I basically took a few well-known people. I, I kind of limited it because I wasn't sure how I was going to fulfill it. And I was building all the systems out. So I took, I think sure. about seven people on to start with, and I was hell bent on helping them. And a few of them went from anywhere from 5k a month to 50k plus within that range, within a couple of months. And everyone's yeah. going, who the hell is helping you with your business? And obviously the name got around quite quickly and the rest is mm. history. And now that's what we do is, is within limitless mentoring is help coaches scale, whether they, whether a hybrid of a PT and an online coach or want to do things all online, we just want to help them go. And what we also do, this is, I think is really important as a mentor. 
or anyone helping you with your goal is like establish where your destination is because not everyone's destination is the same. I speak to a lot of people sure. and say, look, I've got a kid. I want to work four days a week and I spend three days with my family. I want to, I want to have a normal life when I say mm. quite normal. And I have other people that say, oh, Ollie, shit, swallow dust, whatever you need me to do, work every hour under the sun. I just want to be as successful as humanly possible. I don't care about mm. time freedom. I just want to be mega rich. And that's okay. And I don't judge. But what I do is establish sure. the destination first and then reverse engineer that path, build the breadcrumbs out, the goals that need to be set, the tasks that need to be set, the strategy needs to be put in place, and then help that person action towards the goal that is going to fulfill them. And what we also try and do is differentiate whether or not that goal is being set from a place of what truly is going to fulfill them, or is it something that the society has imposed upon them? Because that's seriously important okay. as well. Mm. I created a course called Wise Up, which is completely free, by the way. People want to go to elliotwise.com and I'm a bit of a shameless plug, but it's completely free and will really help people introspectively think about where they're at in their life and why they're here mm. and why have they made the decisions that they've made to get to this point. And it asks a lot of very difficult questions. And what a lot of people suddenly realize is they're not on a path of actual fulfillment. They're on a path of someone else's fulfillment. Yeah. And as soon as you can shift over from that and then start setting goals in line that resonate with you and you, you come back onto your fulfillment line, your unhappiness and depression drops away and your desire to work and grow exponentially increases. And that's what we really sure. try and hope on. And that's a big part of what we do and then make people very wealthy off the back of it, which is great. But those fundamentals are, are vital, are vital to establish before you, you start pushing towards any goal. Because even if I made you very wealthy, but it wasn't in a way that mm -hmm. made you happy, you wouldn't be, it, it, what's, it, what's it all for? Yeah. You need to know that. There's so many transferable things of what you talk about in business to actual um, fitness itself, like having a defined outcome. If you're taking a client on, you need a defined outcome of what that person is shooting for in order to work a plan backwards of how we're going to get you to that point. And when you like have coaches that contact you, is there any point, is there any wrong time that someone could contact you? So let's say I've got five clients. I've just found out who you are. And I'm like, oh shit, I want Elliot to help me. Should I do things first before coming to a mentor to get help or can anyone just come? I think I've been asked this question before and I think it really is person dependent. Now, okay. some people are looking for a mentor because they they really have no idea. They really they really mm. need some guidance and need some help to get going. Um, and, and I think in that situation, a mentor would be good provided you've got the resources and the situation at hand to be able to do it, then fine and put the work in. There's other people that I think are a little bit lazy and they're doing it because they just can't be asked to start. And they think by hiring a mentor, it's going to make things work. In, 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 but in that scenario, they'd be better off, I think, giving it a go themselves. I would say more often than not, it's, you're better off at least trying things first. Because then you arm yourself mm -hmm. with a lot of questions and you can get a lot more value out of someone when you have those questions to ask. Sure. So you can try something for a month or two and say, right, okay, what don't, what couldn't I figure out? Where are my roadblocks? Yeah. Where am I sticking? But that being said... It, I think you can come at any point whenever you're ready because if you just will bypass any of those questions because we'll just lay it out for you anyway and, and help sure. you. Like I say, it's a cheat code, effectively. You're, mm. you're sitting behind the curtain seeing how to navigate a lot of pitfalls. Some people need to learn those pitfalls for themselves and no matter how, how many times you, you tell them, don't do this, they'll still go and do it. Um, yeah. learn it themselves this is one of those things and and some people are quite happy to take your advice and and go around those pitfalls but 
I don't think there is a wrong time to find a mentor. I actively find them now. I, for me personally, before I even start on an endeavor, I'm doing a lot more in the, the uh, development space now, property development, okay. building, that kind of stuff. I was clueless. First thing is mm-hmm. like contact people. So who can I pay? What network info, info can I get? I don't want to go into, I don't want to have to learn the hard way. Sure. I'd rather pay upfront to have someone help me bypass all this and go, go without the tears and, and issues. And then I can be much more comfortable knowing that I'm doing the right thing. That's me now. Before, yeah, yeah. I would, no way was I paying anyone to help me. I'm doing my own. But then it cost me way more and took 10 times as long. So really. Sure. <laughs> but I think I that's, that's, that. the trade, that, that's like the trade-off, isn't it? It's like if you, if you haven't got the money to invest into yourself to, to do it, so to get a mentor or something, then your only other option is the time. You have to invest the time to, to do it and actually go through that process to know what works and what doesn't. Yeah, and I think sometimes it just gets to the point where you can't figure it out. Um, yeah. I, I'm not arrogant enough to believe that I know everything. I'm getting to points now where at some point I want my outsource company to be at nine figures. In the next five to 10 years, mm-hmm. that's 100 million a year. That's a lot of money. Now, yeah. I'm, I, I could get a business to, and can get businesses to, to a 10 million a year, eight figures. And my mm-hmm. skill set is good enough to do that. But I know that I don't have the skill set to get to 100 million, certainly not now. I will have sure. to hire someone that can give me that information and I because I just don't know it. And for me to yeah. try and figure that out when there's so many things are on the line, so much responsibility on the line, so many employees and, and yeah, customers that we're clients we're fulfilling, I can't afford to mess that up. So I'll have to, at that point, outreach to someone that knows how to handle things at that level. And that's fine. It's a whole, it's like a whole different set of problems, isn't it? Right. So to go from oh, like, yeah. 10, 10 to 100 million that's a whole different set of problems oh it's, 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 it's a completely different kettle of fish i have and i don't even know yeah. what that looks like at the moment i yeah. can't even tell you they're not being there mm. and then from then up like 100 million to a billion i have no clue i have no clue yeah and i'm, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that i do because i've not been there not done it i yeah, figured out sure. up the, the 10 million mark but i don't know the 10 to 100 million mark yet i don't know what that looks like and i'm excited <laughs> to find out but i will hire people to help me with that yeah of course and so for those people, the coaches that are, let's say they're doing a couple of grand a month right now, like two to 5,000 a month. When people come to you, is there normally just like a global thing that people get wrong? So people come to you and they want your help and you look at what they're doing and nine times out of 10, most people are doing this one or two things wrong on their social that you can identify. Unless you're doing a hundred grand a month, they're simply not doing the fundamentals at scale. Okay. This, this applies not just to a coach, this applies to any business. And you would have found this with your businesses. There's a few key tasks, the real simple graph, the, the rep stuff, the mm. outreach, the content production, the fulfillment, the stuff that's really boring and unglamorous that people then don't do consistently enough, day in, day out, rep after rep, mm. that causes them not to get to where they want to be and yes there's better ways of doing these things and we can implement slightly different strategies depending where you're at so for example if you're a two to five k coach we probably want to start looking at delegating and bringing new staff to help you but those staff members would be coming in to support you with those tasks that we want to scale and what i'm trying to look at is how can i get you as a business performing these key roi return on investment tasks the things that really move the money needle at higher and higher scales so the way i see Mm. it is we just need to facilitate more of these tasks and we need to put systems in to make these tasks be done at a more prolific level and done better quality. And that's all we fix. 
Mm. You do all the, the clever marketing trips and all these weird names and wonderful gizmos and stuff, but all they are is distracting you from the real core things. And I truly believe that any one man band, any coach can easily achieve 10K a month quite on their own yeah. without any staff by doing the basics, by being good at what they do, by having a very good acquisition and, uh, and sales strategy and a very good uh, and a very good fulfillment. So just the fundamentals, really. Then when you start getting bigger, like I said, you go from 100K a year to a million a year, 10 million a year, that changes the game. That will change mm. things. Then you've got much more infrastructure. You've got much more fixed costs that start coming into play, much larger members of staff. There's a lot more moving parts. Taxes become, and finances become a much bigger thing and trying to manipulate those and sort those things out. So that, that does become a different entity. But I would say up till sure. at least probably a good 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 six figures six to seven figures the things that people are doing wrong is just not doing the basics and it's the same with the gym same with fitness it's, you could draw, draw the same line yeah, yeah. they're not consistently eating properly they're not lifting at their max constantly and recovering properly you, business is the same and as you know it's not the complex stuff it's the basic stuff and i know from talking yeah. to you you are anal about your customer service and and client satisfaction and that is basic knowledge. It's like, just make sure the customer's happy with the fucking service. Yeah. You think that sounds like it's rocket science, but the amount of people that don't check that basic thing, <laughs> for example. So what I do as a mentor is I come in and be like, are you checking these things? Are you actively trying to scale customer service? Are you actively trying to <laughs> increase your sales? Are you looking at your churn rate? How many people are dropping off per month? What's your LTV? Basic stuff. How, how long are people staying mm. on for? And just looking at really basic metrics and say, how can we plug these problems? Okay, what systems can we put in place? How can we automate that? And that's it. Honestly, it's not that complicated. It's just the, you're so right. The basics go such a long way. And I think more so recently over the last couple of years, because there are people offering systems to get you to like scale and grow, like people are expecting that one thing that they're not doing. It's like, what's that one thing I'm not doing that's stopping me from getting to seven figures, eight figures. And it's not the one thing, it's the, like you said, it's like the bodybuilder who wants to win a competition, right? It's day in, day out, minute by minute, every single day. Everything is meticulous. It's planned. It's boring. Chicken and rice and broccoli, like doing rep after rep after rep. But that consistency pays off over a long time. It's just not a tomorrow you've got seven figures. It's six months, a year. You slowly over time build it up to get to where you want to be. Agreed. And the other thing here is once you've got that basics nailed, then we can start optimizing the diet and training plan. Mm. So you, know, you can then start looking at it in a much more granular detail because then the small adjustments will make a big difference because you're scaling up something yeah. that's high quality. But most people are just, as you, you asked me the question, what are most people doing mm. not wrong? But where are they, they, they may be missing out on or what's the main things that we try and fix? And that is really getting the basics nailed. And you can make such a success of an online coaching business, truly with very basic, application of certain skill sets and if you just focus on those and took all of the the shiny objects away and all of the distractions away and just did those things and they're not pretty they're not easy they can be very boring messaging people outreaching to people handling customers and all that good stuff is hard work but yeah. do that scale outsource it delegate it out scale that up your business will grow as a coach and any mm. other business do and by the way anything you try and do in your life the same rules apply. Sure. very very true 
And it's, I think you, you have to do that as well. You have to go through that yourself, like doing those reps and that tiny little granular level of detail of everything. Because then when you scale, you also are setting the expectation for anyone that's coming into your business that you know what the value of your product is that you're offering and you know where you're setting the bar then through having conversations and doing all those basics so that as you bring people in, you scale, you don't diminish the level of quality and service that you're actually offering to people. No, something I've learned from you and, and you take working within your business to a much higher level than me. I definitely, we, we have slightly different strategies with how we do this, but yeah. I have taken a lot from you and I've learned a lot from you and since I've been chatting to you more, I have more involvement within the day-to-day -day running because I, I did, I was guilty of getting away from that too much because I'm looking too big picture. Mm. And you do take your finger off the pulse sometimes. And, the, and, and as you say, I also think in terms of when you have a decent number of staff and they see you shoveling the shit, so to speak, yeah, there's a much greater respect there too because you're in the trenches mm. with them fighting the war. You're not a general sat at the back eating his nice dinner. Moving. Yeah, yeah chess pieces around the board and i think that's really important as well in terms of you being a leader a leader is taking the mm. troops out of the enemy not telling yeah. them and i love that about yeah. that what you do and it, there is a element of we can't do too much of that because you have to sure. also be a guy but i do think it's really important to make sure that that's not lost along the way and i'm yeah. something i've been very impressed with how you do things probably too much Sometimes I know we've had conversations yeah. like, man, <laughs> I need email at four o'clock in the morning. It's like, dude, what are you doing? Um, <laughs> but yeah. it goes to show just how, but look at your businesses now, look how much they're scaling, look how great this, the products are and the services are. Thank you. Massively impressive. I mean, is that always, is that something you've always done or has that become more of a, a focal point now? Your no, I, I've always done it. So I, um, so I have obs obsessive compulsive behaviors and not just like someone that says like, oh, I've got OCD. Like I genuinely have OCD. So in my email box is always completely empty. Everything is categorized. Like if I see someone's desk, if I share screens with someone sometimes and they've got things on their desktop, like I'm, twi I'm twitching as we're having a conversation because of the chaos that's on their desktop. Like if I get, my phone never has notifications on it because if there's a notification, I have to clear it immediately. Like I can't, if it, if it got to two or three notifications, I'd be rocking in the corner, not being able to do anything. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, I have to just be on it. That's crazy. So you and I are very different. Um, I, if you saw my tabs and how many tabs I have open, how many unread emails I have, it's, it's crazy. But that being said, I do prioritize certain things and I'm very anal with certain sure. things. I just don't have that with everything. And I've, I've mm. kind of picked my battles from that, that respect, but I do agree with certain tasks in your business. There has to be non-negotiables. You have to be on it. And you are clearly one of these people as am I, which I think is a, a huge, huge contributing factor to be some of the people that are successful is people that take action immediately. It's not, yeah. Oh, I've got this email to do. I'll do it tomorrow. It's I've got this email to do. I've got five minutes. I'm doing it right now. Yeah. That's the kind of person I am. I'm like, why did why why does it have to wait? And um, do you ever find because that is to me it's a superpower, right? To be able to do that. But at the same time, it's kryptonite. It's is it, in many aspects of my life, it's the worst possible thing to have. Like, because I obsess over everything, like literally everything. And so in business, fantastic, because I can function at a high level that allows me to do what I need to do to deliver over deliver on my promise to people. But in general life, 
things like nutrition are extremely difficult for me. Control over nutrition, going out to eat places, like going to sit in certain places in a cinema or a restaurant. Like I have to have control over all of that because I'm obsessive about it. And so that actually hinders my life greatly, but in business, it allows me to flourish. Why is that a bad thing? No, it's uh, like a double-edged sword, right? Yeah. It's, so I'm asking you, why, why could that possibly be perceived as a bad thing? Because of what society says or because of family or? Yeah, it's more so the negative impact that it can have on family because they don't go through that themselves. They don't understand it. So if we're, Vicky's amazing. Like she, the support that she gives me has allowed me to build the businesses that I have and to get to where we have got. Like it's, it's a partnership. Like she, without her, none of this is possible, right? But for extended family members, it's very difficult to have to explain to them why I'm behaving in a certain way. And because they don't get to see the data, they don't get to see the things I do in business, like behind the scenes, all the stuff that I'm doing at this level, they just get to see Mark at this like crazy level where he can't operate in society. So I've thought a lot about this and frankly, I stopped giving a shit what the other people thought because I came to the very quick realization if I acted normally, I would be normal. If I acted mm. average, I would be average. And I couldn't think of anything worse than being normal or average. And I knew the prerequisite for me to become successful was I had to be different by statistics. Sure. And I love the way that I am. I love the fact that I'm completely extreme with everything that I do, that I work silly hours, that I'm funny when it comes to training that i won't miss a beat i'll always live up to every promise that i make myself and i will mm. sacrifice crazy things even when it doesn't seem rational and i will pull things out of the bag that seem impossible because that's what i want to do with my life and i mm. don't feel like i need to justify that to anyone that's not really in my immediate circle i.e my parents and my wife and my kids and sure. my parents and my and people that truly love you and that you are supporting as you said with Vicky, they understand it. And they understand that we're a bit of a weirdo and we're weirdos yeah. because that's what makes us who we are and the success that we've achieved. Maybe one sure. day if I ever retire, I might become a bit more normal and that's okay at that point. But right now we have goals and we have things to hit and I'm not going to be apologetic to anyone else about my behaviors because that is making me who I am and I'm proud of who I am. Yeah. If I wasn't proud of that's... who I am, then maybe I'd look to change it. And if I was physically hurting people and it was driving away those that, I, that really loved me, but mm. if they're just like, oh, Mark's just being a bit controlling with where he wants to sit and where he wants to be, fuck them. <laughs> Look at how successful I'm becoming. And I'm supporting my wife and my family. Like, I don't care. Yeah, yeah. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't have it any other way, to make that clear. Like, I, I generally wouldn't have it any other way. Um, it's, I just always see it as this double-edged, like, sword. That's in your own but head. It, That's in yeah. your own head, so I you need to you need to in my personal opinion go back to the the reason you are that way and what it's enabled you to achieve mm. and be proud of that almost wear it as a shield of honor not something to be like a lot of bodybuilders do with their fish and whatever in the cinema a lot of people do it and they're proud to do it because they're proud of what it's making them yes it's a bit yeah. weird but that's why they're different and they they chose to be different we didn't choose an average life and we're actively trying to get away from that so then why would we want to try and fake being average when we're not that way yeah, that's interesting. I do always apologize for it. Never stop. Always, <laughs> always, every situation. I when you guys came out to, um, when you came to meet me in Dubai, like that was, because do you remember? Like you probably won't remember, but we were ordering a bottle of water, 
and I can't share a bottle of water. It's an OCD thing. So I had to tell James that James, I can't share a bottle of water with you. You need to buy your own. And I have to buy my own. And, and so awkward situa situations like that, I'm just like, I'm really sorry. I'm strange, but that's what I have to do. I wouldn't even apologize for it. Really would have. Okay. I'm going to try better. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, and like, you don't even need to apologize for me for not apologizing. So what I'm trying to say is here is like, you are great for who you are. You've, you've achieved a great deal. You're a great person. You're having a lot of impact in, in the world. You're not hurting anyone. Be proud of who you are and don't be apologetic for it. Honestly, I think you're an amazing guy. And I think you've got so much stuff going for you. And if your belief is that same internally, you won't ever feel the need to apologize. And if someone can't get behind you and can't support you, then they're not your people. Thank you. Anytime. <laughs> I, feel, I feel I'm very grateful, but I feel super awkward right now. <laughs> um, Just apologize for it. It's fine. Okay. I'm not going to apologize. So I'm going to. I'm so grateful for the time you spent like in talking to me today, but I do have one question. So I'm asking everyone this question. Okay. And so if tomorrow social media falls off a cliff, you, you just lose all your followers. You have no following of social media whatsoever. All your businesses disappear overnight tomorrow. What do you do to set yourself back up? What's the first thing you're going to do? I've had such fulfillment out of recently helping people discover themselves and figure out where they want uh, let me start again i have realized recently that there's so many unhappy people on the planet that mm. are desperate to change and improve their lives but just really don't know how they haven't had the support network the family the education whatever it might be the mindset to be able to take another step forward and know what to do with their life they might even know what that thing is they might know what it is but don't know how to achieve it they might not know what that thing is they just know they want to change and mm. i've recently be working a hell of a lot as a bit more of a as a pro bono thing really to try and help as many people in that area as possible and if I lost everything tomorrow and everything went back to ground up and I had nothing no businesses no money my sole focus would really be networking and finding those people and, and laying out the infrastructure for them so I would probably just 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 build a business solely around solving that problem giving people the, the, the foundational framework to be able to think clearly to know why they're in the position they're in and then help them take the first steps once they kind of know what that next step is and enable them to get to that point and then let them go off on their way and that would be what i did and i would do that through providing social media still existed and everything else would be creating value and helping people initially for for free but obviously when you've got to build a business out of it there would have to be some sort of monetization of it if we're talking hypothetically sure. um, and, and then go down that route because i think for me that solving that problem would mean a great deal to me i'd have a lot of satisfaction out of and i'm guessing a lot of people that will be watching this this podcast will be in the same position they go look i watched these two successful guys i know i'm worth more i'm desperate to change mm -hmm. i just don't know what the hell it is i want to do and that's why i created that wise up course as well yeah yeah I would push that hard. I'd recreate that if that got lost <laughs> and, <laughs> and really just give out a shitload of value in that, from that space and, and build that out. Um, because I think people like ourselves that have a great deal of, of skills, knowledge, and potential power, mm. have a lot of responsibility to influence people in a good way. I think guys like us that are in a great position that we, as we're in can really have a lot of positive impact on these people. Like sure. I said, that's not just to say that we can't make money doing it. Of course we can. 
but I think it's important that for those of us in that position, we don't rip people off. We do provide help and assistance in that area and get together as we are on this podcast and giving people value yeah. and helping people along their way. And that's, and that's what I want to do more of. And if you took away everything tomorrow, that's what I'd be focusing on. Amazing. And how, Elliot, where can people find out more about you? Like I said, if you want to go through that course, I think it's super helpful. It's elliotwise.com. If you're interested in finding about my social media, and I put out a lot of value on coaching and other online service businesses, you can put Wise Elliot or Elliot Wise into Instagram, Elliot Wise into YouTube, TikTok. I'm a bit more controversial on there, but Elliot Wise on there too. <laughs> um, cool. Yeah, it's all, all branded under my name. So it's, I'm easy to find. Awesome. And we'll put those links below in the video for everyone. Thank you so much, Elliot. I really appreciate you taking Thank the time. You for having me. Pleasure.